Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the ministry of Jesus Christ. And Lord, it was your good pleasure to lay upon him the iniquity of us all. Lord, that's so hard for a parent to understand. But yet, Lord, it shows a love that we can't even begin to comprehend. Greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friend. Lord Jesus, we recognize and understand we deserve absolutely nothing from you. We deserve only your wrath. But by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're able to come near to the throne and find grace and help and to show forth the glory of God in our lives. And we know, Lord, that that is pleasing to you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to begin because there's so many people I see that I didn't see, and you have no idea uh, what I do. Um, I, I teach about something called the ministry of the helper. The ministry of the helper. Most of the times when you say ministry, you think about the guy with the microphone or the people up on the platform. Uh, that's ministry. Elder has a ministry, the Sunday school teacher has a ministry, but I'm just some schmo called Ted. You know, do I really count? Do I really matter? Would anybody notice if I was here or not here? As long as the pastor's here and the elders are here and the worship team shows up and somebody unlocks the door, then it's all good. No one will probably even notice whether I'm here or not. But the Bible does say that God has given what he calls a ministry called helps. Um, your worship leader was saying, I remember when you did this, this illustration where you took and plugged something into a wall. Well, here's the, here's the gist of it. I can take an electric fan, I can plug it in there, get nice cool air. But this morning, I think it'd be better if I <laughs> unplugged that fan, put a heater in there, and I'd get nice warm air. Now, it's the same power, isn't it? But yet I got cold air from one and warm air from another. So it wasn't the power, it was the function. And the same thing is true in the body of Christ. Sometimes we'll go, oh, that guy is so anointed. No, number one, no, he's not. It's not his anointing. There's only one anointing, just like there's only one current, 110. There's only one anointing, and his name is Jesus. But there's many functions. There's different functions in the body of Christ. And so we, once we begin to understand that and see that if we're a part of the body of Christ, then we're a part of him, and we have an opportunity to function and flow in that same anointing. 
And wherever I go, and I've, I've been a lot of different places around the world a lot of different times, but wherever I go, I always feel like I got more from them than they got from me. And the reason is because I need you as a part of my body, as we are a part of the body of Christ. I need you as bad as you need me. You might not go, I don't need you. Yes, you do. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you need me. You're a part of his body. So we're together in all that God has called us to do. Now, here, here you say, well, I've never even heard about the ministry of helps. Well, let me tell you about it, and uh, then we'll charge on to some other things so that you understand. Uh, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, toward the end of the chapter, I think somewhere around verse 27, uh, it says, well, I'm going to make sure because some of you are open your Bibles. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God, it says, God hath set in the church. Now, now the words God hath set is actually a building term, which means to place into a, 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 a structure as a pillar to hold up the structure. So these are very important ministries that God, now we're talking about God, the Almighty God, the God of all creation, the God who was fully satisfied with himself, the God who literally has no need of us. He didn't need us like, like a chia pet that he could trim every now and then or that he could even relate to. God has no need of us. He was perfectly satisfied for all of eternity with himself, self-glorified. He was good. But he decided to create, to display his glory. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But when he set the church in order, uh, Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, what did he say he would build his church out of? Out of you and me. Peter calls them living stones. So we're all important. If you're not in the wall then the structure is not as sound, right? If you're not in the wall, the structure's not as sound. We knock a brick out, we're going to have trouble. Snow's coming. We're going to have the wind blowing through. We're going to have a drift on the inside. High heating bill. Why? Because one stone is missing. And sometimes, and we'll see at the end, one stone missing makes all the difference between God moving in a mighty way and not. But for now, let me just show you the ministry of helps. God hath set in the church. So this is like a pillar to hold up the structure. God hath set in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing. Wow. All of those things, you've got to have the anointing if you're going to be an apostle, Right? Or a teacher, right? Gifts of healing. Anybody, you know, you can just, and you've got all the time gifts of healing? No. And then after that, helps. Well, wait a minute. Helps? Right in line with these really important ministries called apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, gifts of healing? Helps. 
Because the word there is not, it's not a trick word. It, it simply means one who lends assistance. One who lends assistance. And that, that doesn't mean that you have to have a badge that says greeter. You can, you can greet without a badge. You can steer a child in the, without a badge. You can help somebody carry in a Bible without a badge. In fact, you can do what your hand finds to do, and you can do it with all your might as we do it for the glory of God. So we have helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Um, I, I've taught this message in uh, a, a, a bunch of different countries, and I, and I always, it's all, always usually to pastors. So I say to the pastors, uh, I kind of uh, set them up for a fall. Yeah. I kind of set them up for a fall because I say, if you could be any one of those gifts, apostle, prophet, teacher, um, is that right, prophet? Or did I miss one? Apostle, prophet, teacher, workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Pastor, which one would you want to be? I'm going to let you choose your destiny. Which one do you want to be? And, uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, I want to be the one that God created me to be. I want the one that's best for me. You know, that's what God wants us to have. The Apostle Paul answered that question. He answered which of these gifts was the most desirable gift in the body of Christ. He says, starts to ask questions toward the end now, just after these couple verses. He says, are all apostles? You answer that for me, would you? No. Are you guys all apostles? No. Are, are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all have gifts of healing? No. You can pray for the sick, but not everyone has gifts of healing. Do all, are all workers of miracles? No. You can ask God for a miracle, but we don't all have the gift of the working of miracles. He skips over helps and administrations, and he says, do all speak in tongues. Now, we know he's talking about tongues and interpretation here, because his next question is, do all interpret? And the answer is, no. But he said, but desire the best gifts. What are the best gifts? It's right here. These two guys that are still standing, helps and administrations. Those are the best gifts. I, I came over here not as Pastor Ted, or in Africa they call me Apostle Teddy. I came over here to help Pastor Mike. I'm in the ministry of helps this morning. And in reality, every one of these gifts is a helping gift. They all flow to this one area. And Paul says, desire the best gifts. Now watch this. Because this mostly gets quoted just on Valentine's Day and at weddings. He says, and, but I'll show you a more excellent way. I'll show you how the ministry of helps and uh, administration works. I'll show you a more excellent way. What comes next? 
1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. What, what is that? I thought that was about weddings. It's Valentine's Day. No, that's about helps and administrations because faith works by love. If we're going to do anything for, for the glory of God, it has to be done by faith. And faith is always something that you can't accomplish in your own strength. You can't do it. So he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. Here it is. This is all about helps and administrations. And if you read through the first, first Corinthians 13, if you read through that and, and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and, it, and it, it doesn't puff itself up. Hey, I'm an elder. Hey, I'm the worship leader. It, 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 it's all helps. It's all helps. Now, it can be for weddings. I don't care. But this is what Paul was intending right here. I'll show you a more excellent way, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. All of these gifts work by love. In fact, greater love has no man than this. Then he would lay down his life for his friend. This is Jesus now. This is what he said. So there is this ministry called the ministry of the helper. It's not a different anointing. It's a different function. It's a different function. My wife of 35 years is my partner, my friend. But she has a different function than me. She hates to travel. She, don't, she, does, she doesn't like to travel. She says, you go get them. And I'll be here holding down the fort when you get back. And she makes sure I have my toothpaste and that I have a sweat rag. And, and she makes sure that I'm all packed and ready to go. And she drives me to the airport and off I go. And I think, oh, I wish my wife would come. But she has a different function than me. Because I would forget sweat rags. And some places that I go are very hot. I'd forget them. So we all have different functions, and that's okay. Sometimes uh, I'll ask pastors, because usually I do this, uh, this in two or three days. And we invite pastors, they invite pastors from all over the region. Um, and so we're going to pay for my plane ticket, my hotel, transportation for whatever the team is. We're going to pay for the food for the pastors to eat while they come. And they do come, just like you said. They come walking for miles or riding bikes for two days. Sometimes we'll have a meeting that's scheduled for one. And we won't get there until four in the afternoon. And you think, is anybody still going to be there? They're all in there worshiping God and praising the Lord. They can't wait for the Word of God to come. They're not leaving. They came a long way until they get fed by the Word of God. So sometimes once I think pastors are really starting to grab hold of this, I'll, I ask them, and I did this for the first time um, on the... We were on Lake Victoria, which is the headwaters for the Nile River. And it just freaked my interpreter out. 
Because he had no idea because I'd never done it before. It just popped in my head. But I said, um, tell the pastors we're going to receive an offering. He went ahead and told them. I said, so bring me the offering buckets. They brought them out. I said, now tell the pastors that this is not a normal offering. And he did. I said, tell the pastors that the, at the bottom of the buckets will be razor blades, knives, and scissors. Tell them. He thought the white guy went crazy. I said, now tell them that when the bucket goes by, that they should take one of those sharp instruments and remove from their body any part that they are willing to do without, put it in the bucket, we'll gather them up front. That definitely got the interpreter's attention. I didn't actually pass the buckets up, but I told the pastors, I believe the buckets would always come back empty. And you know why? Because there's no part of your body that you're willing to do without. And even if you're willing to do without it, you're not willing to go through the pain of separation. Now, Pastor, if that's what you believe about your body, are there really any parts of Jesus' body that are not precious to him, that he does not value? There are no expendable parts. They're all precious to the Lord. They all have value. The same blood that feeds my brain, feeds my fingers, feeds my toes, feeds my nose, feeds my ears. Same blood. Although my brain and my, my feet and my fingers and my toes and my nose, they all do different things, but the same blood feeds them all. And God has set us in the church, every one of us, where he wills. Now, Let's go back and answer a question that has bugged me from time to time. And I've heard answers and I've even preached answers that were wrong. Um, but, but let's go back and find out what, what, what's this all about. Because God uh, was um, perfectly happy with himself. There, there was a time. You know, uh, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God... Well, we would say before the beginning began, God began the beginning. Before the beginning began, God began the beginning. In other words, God existed for forever. I don't even know if you can say forever because time is something he created for us. So God, out of his own desire, his own will, this God who existed when there was no heaven where his glory is now manifests, There's, there was no earth to, to engage his attention, no angels to sing his praises, no universe to be upheld by the power of his word. There was nothing. No one but God, not for a day, year, and age, but from everlasting. He is self-contained, self-sufficient, and self-satisfied. That's God. 
That's God. So why did he create us? God simply determined of his own desire, of his own will to make his glory known. Now you have to, you have to get that. If you read the um, Westminster Shorter Catechism, first question, what is the chief end of man? What's the purpose of man? To, yeah, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, you can't do the will of the Father without joy. Because Jesus said, every time I do His will, the Father gives me meat. I have meat that you know not of. As I do the Father's will. Now, I don't know what meat is. But if Jesus thought it was important enough to do the Father's will so he could have meat, which wasn't really meat like we understand meat, I want that meat. So I want to do the Father's will. So you have to get it, you have to get it in your head that all of this is about the glory of God. Somebody said this morning, one of the worship leaders, this is not about you. It never was about you. Not from the beginning, not now, not at the end. It's not about you. It's always been about Him and His glory. Why did God create? Why did God make something called time? Why is there an earth? It's simple. He wanted to. He's God. He can do what He wants. But He did it to make His glory known. And therefore... God, who was complete in himself, created. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. Why? For you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. See, everything exists for his pleasure and for his purpose, not the other way around. You know, we drove from the other side of the state this morning. Remember when God created, how did he do it? For five days, he said this, let there be, and there was. So when he said, let there be, and it was on the day he made fish, he made everything from a carp to a blowfish in the ocean. Simply with the words, let there be. And at the end of every day, he said, man, that's good. Until he got to the sixth day. Because, see, and when, as he created in those first five days, we have a scripture for that. Psalm 19, 1 and 2, the heavens are telling the glory of God. And the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Now, watch this, because this is what I thought of all the way from Alpena this morning. The trees are absolutely at their peak or moving very closely. I mean, I, I just wanted to stop everywhere and just look. I couldn't take it all in. But, but what are those trees doing? They're about the glory of God. It says, day to day pours forth speech. Those trees are speaking glory to God. They're talking glory to God. You can't look at a sunset 
without saying, God, that is so cool. We live out, way out in the country, Vicki and I do, way down a side road and then a quarter mile back farther than that. And uh, the other night, I hadn't seen it in years. I, I was out putting the chickens away, and I looked up into the sky, and I could see the Milky Way. I said, Vicki, you've got to come outside and look at this. We haven't seen this since the trailer was here. And we, we just looked, and you behold the sky. What is it doing? It's pouring forth speech and declaring night to night declares knowledge. Now, if that's all he did, who would appreciate it? Who would appreciate it? Not a cat. You can put a cat in front of a mirror and... <laughs> right? It doesn't even know it exists. You can put a dog in front of a mirror and he, he may have a fit for himself because he has no self-awareness. So on the sixth day, God's still demonstrating his glory. The Bible says God formed man, not said let there be, but formed man out of the dust of the earth. And I told my kids when they were little, God went out in his sandbox. And he took and he created man, the shape of man, in the dirt. He formed man. And then he breathed into man the breath of life. And he became a living being. Now that word is nephesh. A living being or a living soul. It means to become aware of oneself. In other words, when God breathed into Adam. Adam, you could put him in the hair in front of a mirror and he'd go, I wonder if I'm getting a pimple there. Because he knew he was looking at himself. He was aware of himself. So God had now someone who could look at the glory all around him and go, wow, that's glorious. But he went even farther. The Bible says when he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living being or became self-aware, he also was created in the image and likeness of God. Now, I always wondered, Pastor, I always wondered, why image and likeness? Because those words are so close together that, that it almost seems redundant to say image and likeness. I mean, you could have said God created him in his likeness. No, he said image and likeness. Either word would suffice. In fact, the definition for both words are almost exactly the same. I found out later that was one of the things the Holy Spirit did when he wanted to put an exclamation point there so that you would get it. He repeated himself. So that Adam now looked like the glorious God. I didn't say he became a God. But he looked like God. Image and likeness. And if God is filled with glory, then so was Adam. And so that if a giraffe saw Adam coming, he couldn't tell, was that God or is that Adam? Because they were so close. 
And God was able to stand back. Remember, why did He create to begin with? To display His glory. What is the definition of glory? God is. There's nothing more glorious than God. And so God creates Adam in His image, in His likeness, which also is His crowning achievement in the demonstration of His glory. He could stand back now and he could say, that's my boy. That's my boy. You see the family resemblance? Image and likeness. That's my boy. And that was his greatest demonstration of glory. Now, let me stop here and tell you this. That is exactly what God wanted. Now, if you apply... It, from Bible interpretation, a uh, uh, law called law of first beginnings, which is anytime you see something for the first time in the Bible, that's the way God wants it. So if you use that law of first beginnings and look at what he did in creation in displaying his glory, and Adam being in his image and likeness, his crowning achievement of glory, that's what God wants. That's what God wanted. When when people struggle with the whole homosexual thing, I say, just go to the book of Genesis. What did he say to Adam and Eve? He said, be fruitful and multiply. With what? With glorious beings that look just like you who look just like me. Now, can you two do that? No! So you're disqualified. So, Adam sinned. We all know the story. He lost his robe of righteousness. He lost his robe of glory. But remember, that's what God wanted. Everybody say, that's what God wanted. God wanted Adam in his image and in his likeness. He wanted, and by the way, Adam means, simply means man. He wanted man in his image and likeness. So, we went for a lot of years without any representation of God on the earth until the second Adam showed up who looked just like the first Adam. The second Adam was Jesus Christ. He was the visible image of the invisible God. That's what the Bible says. Visible image of the invisible God. One of the disciples, I think it was Peter, somebody said, show us the Father! He said, man, have I been with you this long and you still don't get it? If you've seen me, glory, image, and likeness, you've seen the Father. So here now is our second demonstration of the glory of God. And that is exactly what God wanted. Someone who would display His glory. Now, of course, Jesus was crucified, went to heaven, and sent His Spirit. Now, what is the demonstration of God's, or what should be the demonstration of God's glory on the earth? I about fell over when I came in and saw your your screen up here. 
because this scripture was on it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. First there was Adam. Image and likeness. Then there was Jesus. Image and likeness. Now you, church, are the body of Christ. And He wants to display His glory through us. But we have a problem with the church. We're so selfish, and I'm going to just speak about me, selfish, self-centered, prideful, arrogant, gotta be about me. I said I was talking about me. You didn't need to amen there. Okay. And so he gave us the power of his spirit, not just to deliver us from the penalty of sin, but he gave us the spirit of God to deliver us from the power of sin. And 12 times in the book of Acts, the words of one accord or in one accord happened. And each one of those is associated with a mighty move of God. I think there's 9 or 11, 13, uh, what Nave's topical Bible calls revivals in the book of uh, Acts. And they all had to do with one accord. With one accord. But see, we want to fight about the color of the carpet and who, you, who's sitting in my chair. Now, Vicki and I sat in those back two chairs, and I thought to myself as y'all were coming in, I wonder who normally sits here. And I, I just kind of looked for somebody to give me the, you know, the stink face, you know, like, what are you doing in my chair? Oh, you have a microphone. You, you must be the speaker. You didn't know any better, but that's my chair. So, so we, we, that, that's not good for one accord. Now, when, when a body, let's say a human body, functions in one accord, we call them athletes. Why? Because every part's working together. Every joint is supplying. Every muscle is finely tuned. And we pay hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars, to go watch them beat each other up on a football field. Why do we watch them? We could get a game up, a bunch of old fat 50-year-olds out, out in the parking lot playing football. Would you pay to watch that? No, you'd pay not to watch that. But we spend all that money. Why? ESPN, ball game tickets. All We spend all that money. Why? Because we want to watch a finely tuned athlete do what you know you can't. Unless you're in one accord. Unless you're in one accord. Let me ask you a question. Do you honestly believe in this, maybe you don't think this way, but my head just goes in all kinds of directions. But do you honestly believe that Peter, on the day of Pentecost, 
baptize 3,000 people in one day? Give me a break. There is no way Peter baptized 3,000. Yeah, but the Bible says that 3,000 were saved and were baptized. But it doesn't say that Peter baptized them all. I don't think there's enough time in the day to baptize 3,000 people. Unless it was some sort of choreography. Everybody, in Jesus' name, dunk! No. So I asked the Lord one day, where were the helpers? And this is what the Lord said. There were 120 in that upper room. And I trained every one of them. I say, but you don't name them. He said, yes, I do. Look, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in prayer. They continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. There's a whole bunch of people without names and badges called they who just do it because it needs to be done. Unfortunately, the church is like most worldly corporations. Uh, the 80-20 rule, have you heard of that? 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Now, in my physical body, if 80% of the function of my body was done by 20% of my body, you would call me what? Disabled. You'd call me disabled. Say, why don't your knees work? You got them. Because they don't understand. My knees don't understand. There's an anointing that goes with that. There's an anointing that goes with that. I wish I had time to... You know, I did bring... For those of you that didn't get the book last time, there's a book out there that's in about six languages now, and um, we pay to have them preach, so don't go, wow, you must be rich, because it doesn't work that way. But I'm going to give you an example of what happens, and then I'm going to show you where your ministry can begin right now today, because sometimes people come, I'm sure in all your career you've had people come, Pastor, I don't know what I'm called to do. Well, I can help you with that. I I know the answer to that one. So, here's an example of every joint supplying and how important it is. Because sometimes we think, is mowing the grass really that important? Is cleaning the bathrooms really that important? Is vacuuming the church really that important in the grand scheme of things, in the salvation of many people? Come on. But in Acts chapter 6, you know, this is a growing church. And uh, 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 a group uh, approached the leaders and said to the leaders, Hey, the Grecian widows, the old ladies over there from Greek, Greece, They're being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. So, pastor, you should do something about this. What did the pastor say? Pastor said, look, wouldn't be right for me to leave my ministry of the Word of God and prayer. 
to wait on tables. Didn't say he couldn't wait on tables, but he said, look, I know I'm a thumb. I can't stop being a thumb to be a pinky. So go find the pinkies. And so he said, go find seven men full of the Holy Ghost, faithful, and bring them to us. We'll lay our hands on them, and they can go feed the old ladies. Everybody say, old ladies. These are just old ladies. How important is that? I mean, I'm sure it was important to them, but how important is that in the grand scheme of things? Very. Because they chose the seven, they laid hands on them, they sent them out, and these seven guys fed the old ladies. Three miraculous things happened. Number one, the word of the Lord increased. Wonder of wonder, the pastor's in his Bible and prayer. Number two, a great number of disciples were, ready, multiplied. Second chapter of Acts, they were added daily. Feed the old ladies, multiplied to the church. And number three, a great number of disciples were added to, or a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. In other words, they started to say, how'd you do this? How'd you do this? That's why when I came in today, and I, and I said, do you, I, I asked uh, the, the sound guy, I'm sorry, I lost your name. But I asked him, do you always put this scripture up? Is this, is this up every week? Because I'm looking at that, and I'm, I, I'm getting this cold chill, like maybe Pastor Mike's been preaching on this, you know? This is our theme for the year, God. You are the body of Christ. Now he's right, preached on it for 34 weeks. Now I'm going to come in here and try and tell you something he didn't. So I got nervous. And so I asked him, Did you, do you always have this scripture up? And he said, no, that's our scripture, memory scripture for this week. I went, it's also the primary scripture in my message. You now are the body of Christ. You are the one that's supposed to be showing forth his glory. And you can't do it. Until you walk in one accord. That means, this lady looks like a troublemaker. Whatever. Is she? I knew it. I I finally got an amen. A, A witness. I got a witness. So this lady's a troublemaker. You know what? Love does not keep a record of wrongs. You're going to have to let it go. Well, I can't let it go. Good. Because Jesus can. It's the same way you got saved. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are the people that find out how bankrupt they are without God. And when you can't, he says, guess what? I can And then the fruits of the Spirit are born from that place of I can't. Just like you are born again from the same platform. I can't. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I don't don't know how many people have really considered what it takes to be a disciple. 
I'm almost done. Relax. I don't know how many people have really considered what it is to be a disciple. Because if you look at it the way Jesus talked about it, I don't know that I would sign up. In fact, I heard Francis Chan one time say, if Jesus had a church down the road and across the street, I'm pretty sure that my church would be bigger than his. Why? Because of expectation. We just kind of let you off the hook and hope you get it. Jesus said, uh, hey, so you asked me about being a disciple? Well, listen, I got one issue with you. Take all you have and sell it, give it to the poor, then come follow me. You going to do that? Can I have your boat? Are you willing to do that? That's why, G- that's why Francis could say, look, I, I would have a bigger church than Jesus. G- the, the, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Your plans, your selfish ambitions, that word deny yourself literally means to refuse to associate with. You're not even going to listen to you because you're so focused on Jesus. Deny yourself, take up your cross, which by the way is an instrument of death. So it's death to the flesh, death to personal interests. And he said, follow me. Oh, that's probably the toughest one for me because I don't like to be told what to do. But if he said, follow me, that means you're going to surrender your will. And after church today, 100 chairs have to be set up. How many of you said, I got to get to the Apple Festival? (laughs) Come on. Take up your cross and follow me. Die. Follow me. Now, I'm all done. I love that. I love this. Somebody tell Pastor Mike when he gets back, that was my scripture for today. He'll be so happy that I actually heard from God. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, Where where does your ministry begin? I'm going to give it to you. Some of you know this. But where, where do I start, Pastor Ted? Um. My, the ministry that I do literally started in a four-by-eight room on the backside of the men's bathroom in Midland, Michigan, where I duplicated cassettes. Because the pastor in a meeting said, if you have any questions about publications, ask Ted. He's our new publications director. And I went, because he never talked to me about that. I can't spell, I can't type. My kids will tell you I'm no techie. But I did that like I was going to be doing it for the rest of my life. And I was so happy. I remember one time, Pastor, we had sent a bunch of books and tapes down to Haiti. And they sent us back, after the meeting that happened down there, they sent us back a package with what was not sold or however they did it. Or maybe it was just money. I can't remember. But I started, I was a publications director, and by that time we had really grown. 
And I started looking through the, the money, and there's ones and quarters, and there's checks for $2 and $1 drawn on American banks, and I'm going, oh, give me a break, you know? And then I got thinking, every one of those checks represents a book or a tape or a tape series. This one, I know that's the only one priced like that. This one is the only one priced like that. And I realized that what they had taken with them, they would take back to their villages. And it would have an impact on their area. And I wept. I'm telling you, tears. Because I realized the power of what they had in their hands and what it was going to mean to them. Okay, here's your ministry. The uh, superintendent in the state of Iowa was getting ready to retire. And um, I was going to be out of the country when he had his retirement party, so I asked, can I have an appointment? I just want to go in and tell you and speak to him. I wanted to just say thank you for loving me, and, you know, even when I was a hammerhead, you loved me anyhow. And, you know, so I went in, I did that. And I said, brother, I, I would like for you to pray for me. And he started to cry. See, what a guy, 74 years old. And I said, brother, what's the matter? And he said, I want you to pray for me. I said, what? What do you want me to pray for? He said, pray that I don't miss my destiny. I said, wait a minute. Don't we believe that our steps are ordered of the Lord? Yeah, we we believe that. Don't we believe that in those steps, there are good works prepared in advance that we should walk in them? So as long as I just keep walking and he gives me good works to do. If I come over and visit with you folks. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm not sure where to begin. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. What can you touch? Yeah, but I'm called to be so. You're going to tell me you can't pick up a paper in the men's bathroom because you're called to be a musician? No. Ministry happens where you're at with what you've got. God orders our steps, creates good works in advance that we should walk in them, and then we do whatever our hand finds to do. Now, I'll tell you this. When you have an opportunity to do something in the kingdom and you don't do it, you just got robbed of a blessing. You just got robbed. And that's a whole other message, but, but trust me, you got robbed of a blessing. And in the church we're going to right now, uh, a lady turned around and she said, I don't have anybody for the responsive reading next week. That's a whole story in itself. But I don't have anybody for the responsive reading next week. Would you do it? This is right here in church. And I said, mm, no, I'd rather not. She said, no, it's, you, you've seen them. It's, it, you can do this. And I said, no, I don't think so, because I'm kind of a back row guy, you know. I, I just soon stay, even though I preached there a couple times. I said, no, I don't think so. 
And finally, I convinced her that I, I wasn't going to do it. And she turned around, and then I thought, oh, Lord. I had an opportunity for a blessing, and I let it go. I'm the guy that says, do what your hand finds to do, and do it with all your might. I can't believe I just told her no. So I did it. I had to convince her to let me do it. Because she said, no, you don't have to. I can get... I said, yes, I'll do it. I want to do it. So don't miss your opportunity. This book, Your Ministry Matters, subtitle, From the Parking Lot to the Pulpit. From the Parking Lot to the Pulpit. You have a ministry. And your ministry matters. You know, I, I should have said something like, from your home to the pulpit. Because you have a ministry that goes beyond the walls of this church. You have a ministry, and it matters. Ask the old Grecian ladies. Ask the leaders. They didn't have all-night prayer service, didn't have a big-name preacher come in. They, they, they didn't worship their way into revival. Why did God move? Because God said, watch this. Watch this. That elbow is about to go into place when it drops into place. You angels, pay attention. Watch this. And he said, look, the whole body works. We have an athlete. And he poured out his spirit. And those three miracles happened. At the DNA level of your Christianity, you should have a desire to serve. How can you say that? Because if you're a part of the body of Christ, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And if you're a part of his body, you're called to serve. Amen? All right, so I, I just brought like eight of these books because they got a bunch of books and had a study here once. They're, they're $13, you can have them for 10 bucks. Throw it on the table or give it to somebody who looks important. and uh, Or you stand there and take money. I don't care. But I, I brought them because there's so many things in there that you need to see and understand. I, I had a pastor, I had two or 3,000 people in his church. I preached in his church on a Sunday morning. And he stood up and he began to weep so uncontrollably. This was in Kampala, Africa, Uganda. He began to weep so uncontrollably that his associate took the microphone and said, my God, we didn't even know this was in the Bible. At the church I go to, last time I preached, I preached on helps. And I said, who's the minister here? Although I knew that because I'd been going there for a year. And one guy said, Arnie Kirshner. And I said, okay. And I taught my message. When we were done, I said, who's the minister here? And in one voice, they said, we are. We are. I'll tell you, that blessed my heart. Father, thank you for this body of believers. I know that you have so much to do and so much that you want to do. And I thank you, Lord, that you awaken us this morning to this remembrance that what we do, we do in the name of Jesus. We do it for your glory, simply for your glory. 
and for nothing else. Not for praise, not for gain, not for power, but for your glory. Lord, give each of us a willing heart to do what our hand finds to do and do it with all of our might. Help us to see those opportunities. And sir, you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I turn it back over to this brother, I I want you to stop doing something. Because I know you do it. Because I did it. Stop telling your pastor after church, Pastor, that was a great message. (laughs) Stop telling him that. If you want to tell him anything, tell him, I thank God for the message he gave you. Because it wasn't the pastor's message anyhow, it was God's. And if he did a good job delivering it, it's only because he plugged into God's anointing. Amen? I thank God. I just taught last weekend for a couple days down in Kalamazoo, and the teenager, after uh, the fourth time I preached, she walked up to me and said, I thank God for the message you brought our church. I got a note last night that said, are your ears ringing? And I said, why? She said, because all week it's been Pastor Ted said this, Pastor Ted said that. But once you see this, it's like driving a minivan. If you drive a minivan, every you look around and you say, I didn't realize so many people drove minivans. So once you see this ministry and see opportunity, I believe the Lord's going to give you an unction to get busy for His glory. Amen? All right. Pastor, sir.